methamphetamine. Methamphetamine. God. Meth. It's Friday, June 28th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. And believe me, a lot of things has been going There's on There's been a lot week. going on, yes. Yeah, Too much, almost. Too much, yeah. mm. for sure. I'm Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and ophef overdose victim. And with me today are Gordon Derrick, contributing editor at Dutch News and tongue twister aficionado. And Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and co-host of a Mindful Podcast. Mindfulness Podcast. Mindfulness, Mindfulness, yes. Mindfulness yeah. Podcast. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We were nominated yes. or listed as one of the top mindfulness podcasts this podcast not like some yeah. other podcast I'm I saw making. this I saw this and I thought they, it's just a spelling mistake isn't it it should say mindlessness <laughs> yes that would have been more accurate I don't know how this happened I emailed this company to see if I could find out how like we got on this list but they did not reply they didn't reply they, they, no. they obviously never listened to our podcast no they've obviously not. never listened to no, the podcast it's only this week's is probably the least mindful podcast we've ever made <laughs> yeah. as well with That's all the opinion yeah, yeah. And uh, what what is tongue twister aficionado? Tongue tw- this is a tongue See, twister. Tongue twister yeah. itself. Tongue twister, tongue twister aficionado. Is itself a tongue twister. What is this about? There's a leadership race for the Conservative Party in the UK, and one of the candidates is called Jeremy Hunt. And a lot of broadcasters have trouble with his name. Why? Because Jeremy Hunt. His, Jeremy Hunt, who was the culture secretary, an awful yes. And there's a lot of instances of people mispronouncing his name because as Jeremy as Jeremy Hunt. Yes, ah, yeah. okay. And um, no, but but Jeremy Hunt last week, um, who is alternative candidate to Boris Johnson, which just tells you what a terrible state the UK is in. <laughs> um, but he, he he called him a coward uh, for not taking part in debate. So there's lots of um, uh, people getting a bit uh, edgy about the fact that to say the word coward and hunt in the same in the sentence. same sentence. Yes, because that could so easily go wrong. Yes. Yeah. So I came up with a tongue twister based on that we've got <laughs> some alpef this week well, we're very glad that you're back paul because i'm yeah. glad i did not have to do this week's alpef it, it was awful it was awful awful not mindful what is it is it do you think this is the heat like something Maybe. in the air well yeah. uh, some of the alpef was heat related because yeah. we had of course uh, a tropical mini heat wave yeah yeah um a lot of storings we had of yeah. course yes uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe it is just the heat. I don't know. The Dutch people can't handle the heat. I'm putting yeah. that on my list of Dutch identity things. We can't handle can't heat. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's true. Well, as we said, this week was absolutely filled with the craziest ophef after the other. The ophef cycle was dominated, uh, however, by an interview with Annelies. She is a 25-year-old uh, rapper who took the name Anne Frank as her stage name. Mm. On Wednesday, she explained in an interview with Parole newspaper, she took the name out of respect and admiration for the real Anne Frank, a Jewish girl who lived in hiding with her family for two and a half years in Amsterdam during World War II and died in Nazi death camp Bergen-Belsen in February 1945. Annelies added she uh, had read all Anne Frank's books. That's my favorite detail. That's a great, yeah. <laughs> Plural, yes. <laughs> and after a storm of critique on social media by people who felt it was distasteful to use Anne Frank's name in such a way, the real storm broke out. Uh, when the Center for Information and Documentation Israel dug up nine tweets of Annelies full with anti-Semitic jokes and statements. For example, that the rapper would personally gas Taylor Swift if she turned out to be Jewish. Uh, and she also claimed that Anne Frank wasn't killed by the Nazis because she died of typhus. What is it about Anna Frank that attracts uh, bad music, terrible attention-seeking musicians? You remember Justin Bieber? Yeah. Uh, was a, oh, that caused yeah. a lot of opeth when he went to Anna Frank's he house. He said that she would have been a believer. Yeah, he wrote in the guest book, I think she would have been a believer. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's very awful. In a video on Instagram, Annelies apologized for her tweets and she announced that she will change her stage name to simply Anne. Can we just like declare a rule that like you can't use Anna Frank's, Anna Frank's name, anything, name or her likeness or references to her in any sort of pop culture related thing just period end of discussion just don't do it as i was researching this little segment i googled Anne frank rapper and google images showed me an american rapper who oh, tattooed God. the uh, a photo of Anne frank on his face I mean, that, right. that that seems like a thing that an American rapper would do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. But th- this wasn't all Ophav. We just decided to include numerous Ophavs in this segment because there was just too there's, many there's to so much There's so we many Ophavs. We couldn't choose. We could have done a whole We argued endlessly episode, actually, about, how, wh- about what was yes, going to constitute Ophav yeah, this Which week. is also very Dutch. Yeah. Uh, and I just said, no, we're going... You know, Paul the Model, I said, we're going to do them all. We're just going to yeah. do consensus. them all. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? Police in Rotterdam have found two and a half tons of meth. 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 They found meth. They found, in meth. His, they found meth in a secret room in a warehouse. The drugs have a street value of an estimated 500 million euros, and is possibly the biggest seizure of its kind in Europe. The drug isn't big in the Netherlands, indicating that the drug was most likely destined for export. Drug gangs are moving increasingly into crystal meth production in the Netherlands. Already four meth labs have dismantled, uh, were dismantled this year, which is yet another signal that the Netherlands is just functioning as the synthetic drug factory of the world. Yeah. Yes. And there was a third OPEF. Yes. Because a motion by... Uh, no, oh yeah. This is the most ridiculous thing <laughs> This may even, be even this may be my opf of the year. I think of the year. This yeah. is a, this is a, this is some serious opf. Mm, it's probably. a multifaceted, multi-layered opf. That's yeah. true. Yeah, because yeah, we will see. Yes, and uh, we will analyze this after yes. I uh, after I, after this segment. A motion by Geert Wilders' PVV party calling for grid girls or pitspoesen, as they're called in the Netherlands. And what does that translate to for our non-Dutch speaking listeners, Paul? Uh, Pitspussies. Yes. 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 Yeah. I think you could, everybody knew that. Pitspoosa isn't that hard to I translate. I know, but I just wanted you to make you say it. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, well, the uh, this motion called for Pitspoosen to be part of the Zandvoort Grand Prix next year. Uh, and it was backed by Forum for Democratie, Denk and the ruling VVD party. The motion said the ban on grid girls was the work of, quote, jealous social justice warriors and major nags who see pretty girls as a problem and called on the government to write to the Formula One organization to make clear grid girls are part of Dutch racing tradition. I don't know where they got no. this notion, but uh, apparently Is there a Dutch racing tradition? Have, this needs to no, not at all. I have, I have questions. <laughs> we need to get to the end, but yeah, there it's, are lots of questions. No, no, we, we have to answer a few questions. First of all, what are pitpuza? Uh, can you explain this to anyone who's not familiar with what this is? Well, traditionally in a Formula One race, before the before the race starts, uh, all the cars are you know in position to start, and they are surrounded by uh, girls who are not wearing many clothes okay. just to for and they were basically reasons. just for aesthetic reasons. Yes, exactly. Um, and this was banned, but not by the government. Hmm. But by Formula One racing, yes, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, just true. just to clarify a few things. Yes, well, naturally, the motion raised a lot of eyebrows on social media and with Molly. And commentators asked <laughs> if barely dressed girls are part of the Christian Jewish humanist tradition of the Netherlands, because Geert Wilders is always talking about that yeah. Yeah. that he has to, you know, preserve it from <laughs> other influences. And yeah. now, yeah, the question is, how does this exactly fit in yeah. in this? Uh, the, the, that's kind of the point, isn't it? That the far right parties 
are forever going on about how they're defending Dutch culture from the from outside threats. And you say, well, what aspects of Dutch culture are you defending particularly? They, is it Rembrandt? Is it you know Mondrian? <laughs> no, it's, it's scantily clad women at motor racing. Well, it goes it goes a bit further than that. They just invent part of the Dutch culture and claim that they are they are protecting. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, something that actually isn't has never really something that you thought of as a particularly p- part of Dutch culture. No, so I also want to point out that this thing is is also all peffy because the the group of people who got together <laughs> on this point to vote for it are the PVV mm. and the Forum and Forum for Democracy. Okay, so that, that yeah, makes a little yeah. sense. The VV Day, yeah. who meh and dank. But then supported by accident. Yeah, yeah they yeah, accidentally yeah, yeah. supported it. So it was like extra up heavy because they like, I don't know, meant to press nay and they pressed ya instead. When they vote in, the, in parliament, they raise their hands yeah. and then mm. they count the parties. But, you know, the summer break is, uh, the summer break in the Tweede Kamer is now. Mm. Uh, they finished yesterday. Um, so they had a lot of motions and a lot of stuff to mm. vote yeah. on. And in this list, they, they just uh, yeah mixed up some numbers. They, they just uh, raised their hand at the wrong moment. At the yeah. wrong moment. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I hope they never go to an auction. No. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out that several podcasts ago, we discussed, we had a question from a Patreon listener, which was, what would your ideal coalition be? And we answered in a serious way, and then in an all-pef generation yeah. way. And I think one of us chose yeah. these four parties as did, an yeah. all-pef-y coalition. Yeah. 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 I think that's been borne out by this uh, development. Yeah. Also the fact that Fefe Day backed it, you know, who are trying to... It's, it's the largest party in the coalition, and yeah. they're, they're supporting this but kind it's, of... But it's a weird thing, too, because, garbage. like, okay, yeah. so fine, they're, like, slightly culturally conservative, but they're also, like, very pro-business, and they, like, don't want to... They don't want government, like, telling business what to do, so, like, why are they telling a, a private enterprise yeah. like where to put scantily clad girls I, it's just there's so many weird nuances yeah. to but this. also there's the fact that okay they're, they're a culturally conservative party but the way this motion was worded was clearly just a bit of trolling yeah. you think less of a grown-up political party like Fefe Day should should be above that right but, but no but no <laughs> this week we'll tell you why you could have ended up with a newspaper on the phone while calling an ambulance update you on how the Dutch lionesses are doing in France and which weather records were broken this week in our discussion, we talk about the vague yet ever-present phenomenon called the Dutch identity. A major disruption at telephone provider KPN left emergency number 112 and the police call center unreachable for three hours on Monday. Yeah, it's weird to say 112. I'm yeah. just yeah. used to, to call it I even say 112. Like, I don't think of it as like 112. Yeah. Uh, KPN's mobile phone and landline services were disrupted as well. Extra police officers were deployed to the streets and other public spaces to increase the number of points of contact between the public and emergency services. Yeah, I heard about this on Twitter when someone <laughs> explained to me how public services work oh yes yeah this is a thing yep yeah ambulances were also sent out in order to decrease arrival times regional media were used to communicate other ways to reach emergency services and to make things worse government officials sent out a nationwide nl alert with an alternative phone number the wrong number because it turned out to be the tip offline of the Telegraph <laughs> newspaper. It's, it's the best detail. Yeah. It's so great. And, the, yeah, and they just got inundated with calls from people, didn't they? Yeah. Because but mostly people saying, when is NNTV back up again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, my cat is stuck in a tree. Can <laughs> yeah. someone please come help yeah, me? Yeah, can you send a journalist, please? Half an hour later, another NL alert message was sent out containing the correct alternative number. The disturbances uh, were resolved around 7 p.m. 
Yeah, and uh, what were the reactions uh, from politicians in The Hague? Yeah, well, they were absolutely shocked. Uh, Justice Minister Fred Rapperhaus summoned KPN CEOs on Tuesday to ask for an explanation. Uh, he explained in the Vragenuurtje, the question hour in the Tweede Kamer, that uh, KPN has three backup mm. systems in case 112 is unreachable, and all three failed. <laughs> we were, when we were out last night, we were discussing uh, the fact that the Netherlands is underwater and we're all going to die of flooding mm. at some point. And somebody said, yeah, but, you know, the, the Delta Works, they have, like, backup systems and stuff. And I was like, I do not have any faith in Dutch backup systems. No, not, me, me neither. Not now. Um, SP MP Ronald van Raak demanded that the backup systems should be hosted by other providers. Which is, seems like it would be obvious. Yes. Mm. Uh, Grapperhaus added a thorough investigation to what went wrong will be conducted, which is also um, an open door, I guess. And Wednesday, it became clear that at least one person, however, died during the uh, 112 disruption. In Breda, a woman became unwell and bystanders were unable to reach 112. They alarmed her GP, who managed to contact the emergency services. Um, and it's unclear if the woman um, would have survived without the delay, though. But, yeah. but still, yeah. Yeah. And one victim. And, yeah, so this is very sad. Um, and speaking of open doors, I mean... Are we completely convinced that uh, this massive disruption shut down the system, which happened sort of four days uh, after um, uh, the Russians were accused of bringing on a flight MH17, was just a plain coincidence? Mm. When, it, when, I, when, we, when my partner walked in the door, I, so I was home when the whole thing went down, and my partner walked in the door from work, and I said, yeah, oh, did you hear there's an NA2A storing? And he goes, oh, was it the Russians? No, that's everyone's first reaction, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. It was not well, the Russians, guys. This is a conspiracy theory. We're Rutte not going to push this forward. Rutte is now meeting uh, Vladimir Putin in... Um, yeah, for the G20, uh, right? Osaka. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe they have something to talk about now. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but the Russians do have a form of bringing down other countries' telephone networks. I mean, they did it in Latvia, I think. But did I think they? this was yes. the... I yeah. heard that this was actually the Americans' fault. That it, had, some, well. it had something yeah. to do with, uh, with an American, like... Yeah, I don't know, distribution center or something like that that went down, which like took out a decent amount of the KPN network, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. So, but I don't know. It was not the Russians. Let's let's be clear that we're not endorsing <laughs> this conspiracy theory that it was the Russians. There's no evidence. Stop looking at me like you guys secretly <laughs> think it was the Russians. I, I think it was you. I have questions about. <laughs> I mean, it's much more likely that I did this than the Russians did. I'd, we'd, I, at that point, we didn't have any great opaf, so I thought this was a good way to bring a discussion point to the podcast. <laughs> okay, well, we leave Russia behind. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of acknowledgement of old wrongs this week. First, the Amsterdam City Council has voted to apologize for its slave trading past. Seven parties, holding 31 of the 45 council seats, voted on Monday to offer the city's apologies at next year's Keti Kroti, the annual commemoration of slavery on July 1st. Don Sater of the Christian Uni Group said that, quote, this should have happened much earlier, while Dahlia Timon of Desa Sestag described the vote as a historic moment. If you are one of our Many Facebook commentators who thinks that the past is the past, a report from the International Institute for Social History released this week found that slavery generated over 10% of the gross domestic product of Holland, which was uh, the riches of the Dutch of the seven Dutch provinces that sort of made up the republic. I don't know, a weird historical definition. As a whole, slavery generated some 5.2% of the entire Netherlands GDP. Although 5% may not seem like much, just 6.2% of Dutch GDP is currently generated by the Rotterdam port, which is one of the biggest ones in the world. So slavery and the slave trade played a huge role in the historical and current financial successes of the Netherlands. 
Yeah, but that's not the only black market of history that uh, was atoned for this week. No, uh, state-owned Dutch railway service, the NS, will pay, quote, tens of millions of euros to individuals for transporting some 100,000 people to their to death, well, to death camps uh, for the Nazis during World War II. A special commission announced on Wednesday their recommendation that the railway should make a payout that will total at least 35 million euros to around 6,000 survivors or next of kin. The NS was commissioned by the Nazis to run special trains to Westerbork, Wucht, and Amfort, full of Jewish, Roma, and Sinti people who were being transported to concentration and death camps. It's estimated to have been paid some two and a half million euros for this. Well, not just estimated, but they've actually still got the books, yeah. haven't they? You can see they itemized it line yeah. by line of how course, much they got per very, passenger. It's, it's very, very Dutch. Dutch. It's all properly Alice King daughter they book have outing. The, they have the yeah. bondages. Yeah. Will the NS pay the people who died uh, of uh, typhus in the concentration camp? Yes, I don't think, unlike uh, some particularly so <laughs> Socially aware Dutch rappers, the uh, NS is not going to differentiate between people who were murdered by the Nazis directly and those who just died because of terrible conditions conditions, of the Nazis. And they did this out of the good of their hearts? No, no, of course not. Mm. The recommendation comes after a years-long legal battle started by Salo Muller, whose parents were arrested and transported to the transit camp of Westerbuch and then onto Auschwitz. Muller had mixed feelings about the result. He said, I am happy that after six months, the commission has come up with individual compensation. I'm not happy about the reason for it. This is about the thousands of people who feel the suffering of the war every day, people who lost their parents, brothers, nieces, nephews. It's a tragic situation. So there's going to be a payout of, I think, 15,000 euros to direct survivors um, Mm. and then some other amounts for the next of kin, basically. Yeah, it's again uh, one of these things that should have been done uh, many years ago. Yeah, just uh, like for the, sure. uh, the slavery thing. Yeah, I yeah. think it's taken so long because the, most of the argument has been about the amount, how yeah. much should be paid. Yeah. I think they admitted liability fairly early on. And his wrangle over. And his lawyer, I think, in an interview with us, I don't remember exactly who she told this to, um, said that uh, you know that wasn't their intention to try to bankrupt the NS. So they wanted mm. the payment to be significant, but not so significant that it was going to like put the NS out of business or something. That wasn't the goal of the lawsuit. Um, I think the more the goal of the lawsuit was to not, I mean, I don't think that the money, I don't think 15,000 euros makes up for the fact that your parents were deported and killed in Auschwitz and you had to go into hiding, which, which Mr. Mueller had to do. I think the idea is, is that like you want there to be serious consequences for people who engage Mm. in this kind of behavior as a deterrent for, if this happens again the next yeah, time. You, that, do, you, want, you want it to be recognition. You also right. want to make sure that it's not profitable or attractive for a company to do. Yeah. Right. But you see that yeah, if you commit this, if you participate in this kind of enormous social wrong, that yeah. you, you have to pay for it. You're going to have to pay for yeah. it. Nine children and an adult in the village of Urk have been diagnosed with measles, prompting fears of an outbreak. The former island in Flevoland is one of the most staunch Protestant communities in the Netherlands, and many families refuse to immunise their children for religious reasons. Just 60% of two-year-olds there are fully vaccinated. However, the local health board haven't classified the cluster of cases as an outbreak because all the people with the disease are from two families who are closely linked. The last time there was a full-blown outbreak of measles in Urk was in 2013, when 30,000 people nationwide were diagnosed with the disease. 
So what is the vaccination rate like generally in the Netherlands? There was news of that this week because the downward trend, which has been uh, going on for the last five, ten years, uh, appears to have uh, slowed down and leveled off. That's good news. So that's kind of good news. Yeah, Yeah. the latest figures from the ERIFM, who supervised the vaccination program, shows that just over 90% of two-year-olds are up to date with their immunisation. And in some communities, there's even been a small increase. Uh, The MMR jab, which was linked to autism by a now discredited study 20 years ago, was given to just under 90 three percent of children 92.4 percent received the combined vaccine against diphtheria whooping cough tetanus and polio the numbers are still below the world health organization's target of 95 percent for herd immunity junior health minister paul blockhouse said the development was welcome but the government would not be satisfied until take-ups returned to 95 percent yeah, I mean, that's just vaccinate your kids. Yeah, that's vaccinate, it. Your kids. vaccinate yeah. your kids. Autism is not bad, and anyway, it's not <laughs> caused by vaccinating. So. No. Don't transport people to death camps. Vaccinate your kids. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't use Anna Frank as a cultural that. reference. These are the lessons for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And stay no. indoors. Drink enough water. That's Drink the enough next water. lesson. This is very, it's very yeah. crucial. Tuesday was the warmest June night on record, with temperatures dropping to no lower than 19.5 degrees at the built weather station near Utrecht. It was miserable. It Everyone was. was miserable. Yeah. Poor Truby was like laying in bed <laughs> all night, just so unhappy. Local records were also broken in Eindhoven, where the night temperature just dipped under 23 degrees. After two tropical days, Wednesday showed wide variations in temperature. On the coast, it was no warmer than 19 degrees, while in South Limburg, temperature reached 31 degrees. So we're done with this heat nonsense, right, Paul? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. Uh, Saturday, we will see temperatures rising once again to over 30 degrees. There is even a big chance that the heat record for June 29th will be broken. Um, The record is currently set on 31 degrees. uh, That was uh, in 1957. But global warming isn't real. It's not real. It's also not an official heat wave, of course, because it didn't last for five days at the build. Exactly. Yeah. 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 We have a lot of (laughs) official definitions (laughs) for certain weather weather types. That's also part of the Dutch culture. That's That's a good thing. To build weather station stuff, like that's an that's an integral part of Dutch culture. Definitely, right? exactly. wow. put it on your yeah. list. I'm gonna add that to my list. Yeah. Um, just a few think. Uh, uh, why are we talking about typical Dutch things? After the break, we will discuss the top ten list of Dutch things that were, uh, according to Dutch people, are the most Dutch things. Yeah. But we made. A list ourselves. We made our own list. I, yeah. My list is like 25 your things. List, yeah, your list, list is very long. Your list is getting bigger all the time. Yes. In fact, we just added at least two items yeah. in the course of just doing this podcast, <laughs> this podcast so far. Yeah. The Dutch government is looking to overhaul the delightful and completely useful integration or embargoing system. A big shift will be made away from the do-it-yourself system to putting the responsibilities on local governments to ensure newcomers are properly included in Dutch society. Currently, anyone wanting to apply for permanent residency, a passport, and a number of people who are obligated to do so must pass a series of language and knowledge exams. There have been a lot of complaints about the system for being racist, useless, confusing, and stupid over the years, many of which were made by me, (laughs) personally. Under the new system, councils will have to devise an individual integration plan, or a PIP, which I find interesting because in the U.S., PIP refers to a performance improvement plan, which is what you get just before you get fired at work, so... (laughs) Um, so that'll so, be so, so, so in this case, you get it just before you get kicked out of the country. Exactly. Yeah. Um, newcomers will be able to or choose get fired from, from your from your original passport. Yeah. yeah. 
Newcomers will be able to choose their own language schools and lesson times apart from refugees. They will also be responsible for picking up the bill, although they will be able to borrow money to pay for courses. New arrivals will also have to pass one test on their knowledge of Dutch society, plus tests on work and participation, sign a participation declaration, etc., etc. People with jobs will not have to take the section on work, the social affairs ministry said, which seems... The if only intelligent job, thing yeah, that yeah. they're doing here. Yeah, so if you've got a job, you don't need to uh, learn take how to get last a job. question. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Officials have not yet decided if people with a high standard of Dutch can skip the other Imburgering courses uh, when they're applying for a Dutch passport. That's currently the case in some situations. Probably very bad Imburgering exams should also be on your list. I feel yeah. like every country does this badly, though. This is not a unique to this the Dutch true. thing. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Scroll down so, so in the Netherlands, it's not. Uniquely bad. Yeah. No. No. It's not uh, no in my experience, the Dutch are not uniquely bad at this. Everyone is bad at this. Yeah. You just complain a lot about the Dutch inburgering exam because you are currently living in the Netherlands. Well, and it's I'm an integrated you know. person, so yeah. I complain about. Oh yeah, 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 that's yeah. true. And you've, had, you, and you've actually had to go through it. And, and I've had put to deal with this garbage. Yeah. yeah. But uh, when are we likely to see these changes? The new plans have been now put out to consultation. It's unlikely that they're going to come into effect before 2021. And. Is this current system going to be any kind of improvement, do you think? Maybe a little bit. I think the language component component is important and useful. Uh, as for the rest, like it's it's impossible to create an exam that covers culture. Like mm. it's too complicated of a concept. What they include as important on the exam is often racist and generally like way off base. It's like dumb. It makes people feel dumb. It's it makes the government you think that the government thinks that you're like a literal Neanderthal has been like like living under a rock prior to moving to this country. Mm. Honestly, that's probably an assault to Neanderthals, to be honest. Same with, like, the employment persons. Like, it's not useful information for most people. Like, they don't assist you with, like, redesigning your CV to adhere to Dutch labor market norms. It's more about, like, applying for a job at HEMA. Mm -hmm. Um, It ignores the fact that, like, people mostly get jobs, like, through their networks and these kinds of things. Like, it's just... It's just real stupid. It's just a bit sort of un- yeah. Yeah, uh, unnecess- unnecessary and yeah. pointless. I, yeah. I sort of wish that they would just have like a, the language portion of the exam, which I do think is important, um, especially for people who are planning on staying here yeah. long term. Um, and then just kind of like, you know, some kind of multiple choice sort of like history, you know, what is the opening line of the Wilhelmus and like who's the current prime minister questions. Yeah. Like if you really want to do like some sort of knowledge testing, like do it on that and not on like... Jan and Case are at the bar. Like, who should go order the next round of beers? Like, <laughs> yeah. fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, and then that whole thing about, yeah, should, should you call the police if your neighbours are making a noise? Yeah. It's like, well, it kind of depends on what kind of noise they're making, There surely. was, um, I mean, there's things like... You know, if it's Boris Johnson living next yeah. door, you should definitely call the police. And then look, and the Telegraph hotline. And the Telegraph hotline, for sure. <laughs> there was a question, when I was studying for the, in Berkering, there was a question about whether or not you should call the police if you see your, pa- your neighbours putting their paper in the wrong recycling box and the answer was yes like this is what you were supposed to do but like I have a whole list of things that are not on the embarkering exams that are like crucial components for learning like for like living here like that you're supposed to tip your newspaper delivery guy at Christmas which like I didn't know the exact point I was going to raise and found this out awkwardly the first time that my Dutch partner and I were living together at Christmas and he was Mm. like what do you mean you didn't tip the newspaper guy and I was like you're supposed to do that like I didn't know yeah or that you have to send in your electric electricity meter reading, yeah. which I did not do for like six years and then got like 1,800 euros back from an ACO because I had just <laughs> never sent in my electricity reading. Because I overestimated it massively. I didn't yeah. know that you were supposed to do that. I thought they sent 
you a letter which says fill it fill it in and yeah, then you... you know they send you a letter it's in dutch like you don't really read uh, it okay. i was like that's oh, fine like i pay mm. my bill what could, what could this possibly be <laughs> they send you emails these days as well yeah, well, yeah. Mm. and you probably got a smart meter by now yeah well now so, we have a smart meter yeah. so it's different but yeah it was nice to get all this money back Sports news, women's football coach Serena Wichmann admitted the Dutch will need to improve after they scraped through their second round World Cup match against Japan. The Leo Vinnen prevailed thanks to a hotly disputed penalty in the last minute that was converted by Lika Martens. The Japanese struck the bar and had two other good chances to win the game in the last 10 minutes. Wichmann said the team were, quote, really struggling in the second half. The European champions now go on to play Italy in the quarterfinal on Saturday and there are doubts about the fitness of Martens. The Barcelona player missed Thursday's training session with a foot injury and uh, was seen limping around the hotel. So, yeah, we ho- hope she gets better because she's kind of a crucial player for them. Did the Japanese already uh, write a song about that it wasn't a penalty? <laughs> Probably. Have, have they? I don't know. I don't know. Was, was it, there somebody else was, written a song uh, about you know, I was penalty? referring to, <laughs> I think it was the 2010 World Championships <laughs> when Arjen Robben made a swallow according to the Mexicans yes and he got a penalty uh, and he scored and uh, the there was this Mexican girl who <laughs> wrote a song with her uh, with her guitar uh, in which she expressed her discontent yes. with the referee's <laughs> uh, 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 decision and uh, she vowed to uh, send this uh, send a video of her every day to uh, Robo, I think on Twitter <laughs> but I'm not sure so she made a video every day with right. her singing this song and sending it to Ayurobo and Robin, yeah, who, who immediately blocked her no doubt probably yeah, so it was all wasted effort yeah it was a very harsh penalty I thought quite you know, it was just a, uh, the defender was standing literally right next to the striker when she kicked the ball now she had her arm down and it was given as a handball but mm. uh, there we are the Dutch through and the Japanese are out. So um, I know climate thing, uh, climate change is a real thing, but yeah. how did we end up having an Elfstedertocht in June? Yeah, this is mysterious, isn't it? Um, well, the legendary long-distance skating race, of course, hasn't been held since 1997 now. Uh, doubtful whether it is ever going to happen again uh, because of global warming. However, Olympic swimmer Martin van der Weyden turned it into a solo four-day ultramarathon swim for charity uh, this weekend. Uh, and the whole of Friesland uh, took the day off work and turned out to line the canals and cheer him on. I don't think there was a single child in Dokkum who's in school on Monday morning. By there, the I mean, what else are you supposed to do in Friesland besides stand by a canal? <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, yeah, it was Van der Weyden's second attempt at the 196km route. He had to give up last year, 30 kilometers from the finish, on medical advice. But this year he made it all the way around uh, the 11 cities and finished in Leovarden to rapturous applause just after 7.30 on Monday evening. And there was live coverage on NOS and on the website and everywhere. Everywhere. For the entire yeah. four days. You couldn't uh, miss yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, but especially yeah. on Monday. It just kind of built up over the course of the days. Yeah. And especially when he got past the point where he had to stop last year. Yeah. Where there's a little quite badly made sculpture of, of, of <laughs> yeah. man swimming through the yeah. water. So... <laughs> The official Elfstedentocht is an ice skating event, and if mm. you finish it, you receive a little cross. And it yeah. is in the Netherlands that's an official distinction. So, yeah. uh, if you are a soldier, for example, you can wear it uh, along your medals. And also, <laughs> Willem Alexander, he completed the uh, King Willem Alexander, he completed the Elfstedentocht as well. And he was actually wearing it when he was inaugurated yes. uh, as a king, and he is always wearing it's it nice whenever on, on on official occasions. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the one of the 
people who uh, participated in 1997 sent his little cross to Maarten van der Weyden mm. because he said in his letter, when I was ice skating it, there was no wind whatsoever. So <laughs> it was very easy to yeah. complete it. Um, you <laughs> did a lot of more work and yeah. your, 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 uh, your tour was uh, much more heavier and um, uh, harder than, than, than mine. So yeah. he just sent his uh, distinct... That was a nice touch. That's very charming. Yeah. Yeah. He's also nice. met at the finish line by, I think, the winner of one of the Elstede talked. I think the I mean, I mean, the guy's 88 years old now. I think he won it in sometime in the 70s. So that was a mm. nice touch as well. Yeah. But it, it kind of underlined for me the fact that this was just basically nostalgia for the Elstede talk. Yeah. People were desperate yeah. to have that experience again. Yeah, yeah. So they and all it's much nicer in it. summer. Uh, that is true, yeah. That's definitely a bonus. You don't have to wrap yeah. up in all your, all your winter gear. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, and he will never do it again, though. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll ever do it again, no. And he has, we should say, raised more than 5 million euros and counting for cancer research uh, charity, KVF. Well. Yeah. So, well done to him. Because he, he had leukemia when he was younger. Yeah, he was yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he won uh, uh, several Olympic medals, and now yeah. he is uh, spending his time basically raising money for, yeah. uh, for the KVF. And I really loved the, the, the people who are, we're, you know, it's the Netherlands, so people are complaining. <laughs> and they said, would he have done this without the media attention? And I was like, no, the whole point <laughs> is generating the media attention to generate yeah. the money. I mean, the, the, it's, that, that, that's yeah. common logic, right? But, yeah, really, it is. Yeah. We'll be discussing what makes the Netherlands Dutch, according to the Dutch, after this word from our sponsors. Hey you! Yes, you listening to this podcast for free. We're really glad you like all of our Ophef coverage and our dick lawyer jokes, but it costs money to bring them to your ears. If you have a few extra bucks and you would like to support the work that we do, you can now back us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to donate. We will give a shout out to all of our backers on the podcast. If you donate 50 euros, Gordon will dedicate the next podcast to his love of lavender strope waffles. For 75 euros, I will suffer through one entire football match. For the low, low price of only 100 euros, Paul will vote for the Socialist Party in the next election. So please, go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to support us and to keep Truby fed. His dog food is extremely expensive. This week, the Dutch social cultural think tank SCP published a report on the Dutch national identity. The report involved surveying 5,000 people to find out what they consider makes the Dutch Nederlanders. And this resulted in a top 10 list of the most Dutch things, according to the Dutch, as well as a top 10 list of the most un-Dutch things. We will take a closer look at them, and because the three of us are either Dutch, wanting to be Dutch, or practically Dutch, so naturally we have an opinion on this, and we yes. will uh, share them with, share them with you like, whether we want to. Or not. Wait, yeah. so one of us is Dutch, so that's yes. Paul. So is it Gordon that wants to be Dutch or Gordon that's practically Dutch? You are practically I'm Dutch. I'm practically Look Dutch. Look at your street. And, and Gordon wants to be Dutch. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm insulted. Just anything but British, really. <laughs> <laughs> anything with a decent passport is fine. So, Paul, why did they make this report? Let's start by talking a little bit about that. Well, apparently there has never been a large scientific research about the question, what is the Dutch identity? While well, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, and it's right? constantly in the media. It's yeah. constantly yeah. in the media. Yeah. For example, in the immigration debate, yeah. the uh, SCP said uh, people feel the need to define the national identity for several reasons. One of them is the European unification and increasing cultural diversity within the Netherlands, especially in the past uh, two decades. And this has led to uh, heated debates, as we Set, especially yeah. in the in the field of immigration, for example, yeah, and especially about Swartepeet, which yeah, always 
seems to come back to somehow. Funny, George P was not on the list. Uh, Sinterklaas was. Sinterklaas was, yeah. 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 Um, but this has led to, uh, for example, also a historical canon that was released yeah. several years ago. And also, for example, a flag in the Tweede Kamer. The yes. bitter ball of flag in the Tweede Kamer. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the ball of flag And then the a big Tweede debate Kamer. about uh, how the flag was inadequate. And, and not whether or not you paid too yeah. much money for it. Yes. Which, which is which very, very Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. 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 And of course, we've seen a lot of political parties in the past two decades that emerged that claim that they want to protect the cultural identity of the Netherlands. Uh, and if need be, they just invent some cultural aspects if they want to... Yeah, uh, like Pitbushes. Like Pitsbusche, mm. indeed. Uh, and there was also a famous incident in 2007 when then Princess Maxima infamously said that she didn't believe the Dutch identity existed. Mm. And it caused... A lot of opeth. A lot of opeth. Uh, about, yeah, now people felt, no, of course we have a Dutch identity. Yeah. And then the question was, okay, yeah. define the Dutch identity. And yeah. then they were like, yeah. Well, <laughs> and she, she was proved right, basically. And she was proved right. Yeah. But what she meant was everybody is so different in the Netherlands that you can't say you are 100% Dutch because, mm. you know, everybody is, we are all different, but yeah. yeah. So yeah. she was actually saying, uh, it was basically meant as a compliment, though, yeah. but no, nobody took it as a compliment. Yes, but people felt offended. Yeah. Uh, so is Princess Maxima right? Queen Maxima now? There's no Dutch identity? Or is there a Dutch identity? According to the 5,000 people that were surveyed, there is one indeed. Uh, 41% says there is absolutely is a Dutch identity. Almost the same amount say there is more or less a Dutch identity and only 8% say that there is no such thing as a Dutch identity. So that's interesting. Mm. Even though the country might seem very polarized at times, uh, there is a broad consensus about what is seen as typically Dutch. Uh, the report speaks of uh, three major types of people. One, uh, feel connected to Dutch symbols and tradition. The second, more with civil freedoms. And the third one is uh, indifferent. Uh, and you see that, for example, in the Swarte Piet debate, where if you are of the first group that value symbols and traditions, mm. then you are post Piet, and if you are more inclined to the civil freedoms, mm. then you are anti Swarte Piet. Or, so you, or you want to reform Swarte Piet. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. To um, yeah. so yeah, you you see these groups; they agree on what is Dutch, mm. but you know they have a certain preference for certain aspects, yes. and based on that, you see this polarization. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you yeah. have the loudest group probably is the group that uh, are f- actually aren't bothered either way or are quite relaxed about the idea of um, Swarte Piet changing to move with the times. But they're the ones you never hear from. No, know? exactly. That's what the report also said yeah. uh, a lot of people are somewhere hovering between these groups uh, yeah. most of the people are actually are so the people you actually hear in these debates are the ones that are on the extremes the, on the extremes yeah. and they have the loudest voices yeah. as we all know yeah but what you see you've got actually when you're out and about in society so for example Heimar and Jumbo and Albert Heijn are constantly every year they're slightly adapting Svarte Piet he's yeah. a little less dark he hasn't he loses the curly hair and all the accoutrements that you think of as racist but the fright- so there's, frightening so, aspects yeah, of so, this right now. yeah exactly and, yeah, and going way back he, he doesn't now take children away and abduct them off to Spain exactly so you know the commercial sector is very responsive to the fact that people do want to see a kind of change even though it's not always expressed in the in the public debate yeah i'm exactly. disappointed in that change we should get rid of the blackface but keep the beating children in a sack. <laughs> I agree. that's a good part of the dutch identity <laughs> yeah and then yeah we we talked about this before but you said the, the dutch are not aware of the parts of their of their dutch identity because they don't know any different right I mean, that's, I think it's true for, for all nationalities, right? That I think, it, especially if you don't spend a significant amount of time, if you've never lived abroad for a big period of time or you're not really surrounded by a lot of international people, it's hard to understand what makes up your national identity because yeah, so it's, it's just more... the fabric of your being mm. and you don't think of it as being, like, abnormal. So it might be more interesting to see how the Dutch identity is perceived abroad yeah. or from foreigners. Yes. So, yeah. Or you should have just asked Gordon and I, who 
we're clearly experts <laughs> on the subject. I am going to ask about, uh, no, to you about good, this. It's good, because I wrote a list. You wrote a, you you wrote wrote a, a list. But we will, we will, we we'll will do it to a list after we discussed the official list. Fine, fine, yeah? fine, yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, there are a lot of books about the Dutch yeah. identity. For example, mm-hmm. The Untouchables. And, yeah. uh, and Bank- Stuff Dutch People Like. Stuff Dutch People Like. Ben Coates uh, wrote a lot of Why the Dutch are different. Yeah, so Which I think is the best, not just because I like Ben, but I do think Why the Dutch Are Different is the best book about like the sort of foreign perception of the Dutch. So yeah, we should yeah, read that. I agree, yeah. uh, I agree as well. Yeah, and the Sepe Bay also asked a group of expats uh, how they see the Dutch national identity. Freedom is uh, commonly seen as an important aspect of this identity, even though it's not that's not typically Dutch, right? I mean, no. you also mm. have freedom in Germany and in uh, Sweden, Sweden and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, you do, but often these people they've asked have come from places where you know, the society is much more repressive. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Might be. I, I think it's one of these things where, like, you know, if you come from parts of the world where regimes are much more yeah. repressive. Yeah, and where freedom is not taken for granted. Yeah, you know, and you, you come here and you're like, well, this yeah. is amazing because there's freedom here. But what you don't realize, of course, is, is that if you moved move to Sweden or Norway or Germany... You also would have been impressed by the freedom there, but you don't have anything to compare and contrast yeah, it exactly. to. And expats regard the Dutch as uh, pragmatic, nuchter, that's down to earth, down I think. To earth. Down to earth, so yeah. Yeah. And also direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those uh, are all true things, I think. Equality is also named very often as an example. Um, they use for the equal relation between an intern and other staff, for example, or between children and adults. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, they don't call the Dutch particularly ambitious. Then, then I mean the short work days, for example. Dutch people ha- rather have a part-time job than a full-time job, if it's if that's not necessary. To yeah, I think one of the things that struck me is just that there's a much better work-life balance yeah. than there is uh, in where I came from in Britain. Yeah. I mean, in Britain, you're expected to be on call the whole time yeah. when it works. You know, you, the, the idea, and you're not even when you go on holiday in the summer. You're not in many companies. You're not allowed to say when on your voicemail, "I'm on holiday." You have to yeah. use a euphemism like "annual leave." Is a holiday is some dirty thing you should yeah. be ashamed of? You know, but then, not, well, this is. I mean, at least in but, the UK, but, you get a take vacation. We don't get that true, in America. Yeah. But that's that's also one of the directness aspects. I think. I mean, mm. yeah. what you what you say, you use some sort of euphemism. Mm-hmm. Why just not say that you're on holiday? Because everybody knows that that's yeah. what you yeah. mean, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah, I do sort of agree with this, that the Dutch aren't particularly ambitious in a way that a lot of other cultures are. I don't know that it's like explicitly Dutch. I think this is kind of like sort of a vaguely Northern European thing, but like there's not... It has to do with, um, you know, if ambition has to do with, you know, uh, making promotion and getting a better job. But the Dutch, they feel like sometimes it's enough, right? Yeah, it's enough. And even if I get fired, then there is always a social safety net. net. So nothing can go very wrong, I guess. So yeah, and I imagine in the US where you don't have this sort of huge social security network, if you get fired, then you immediately... Don't have any yeah. you know, thing to I, fall back I, I on. I want right? to say, though, I don't mean it. I'm not a, sure if that's no, the, I an would explanation. Agree, I would agree on that. Mm. That I think that like there's a lot of pressure to work a lot harder in places where there's no social safety net, which I think is a bad thing. Yeah. But I want to clarify to say that I don't, before we get a bunch of hate mail, I don't, I don't <laughs> so we'll mean, get that anyway, don't I, we're going to yeah. get that anyway. Yeah. Me, of course, <laughs> I'll get the hate mail. I don't mean it in a particularly bad way that the Dutch aren't ambitious. And that's not to say that like there aren't Dutch people who sort of want to move up the corporate ladder or like do these other things, but it doesn't strike me as something that is like 
such an imperative part, especially when it relates to work or to like the keeping up with the Joneses sort of stuff, yeah. like having a bigger house, having a more expensive car, having a nicer this, like people don't seem to be quite as interested here in like what your job title is. Like, yeah, that, for that's example, the thing. See, I, I, think, I think it comes down to me, the, the, the definition of ambition. I find that a very narrow definition of mm. ambition. I feel like more since I lived here that when you talk about ambition in other countries, it's purely about how you're doing in your career and whether yeah. you're moving up the career ladder and also how what material stuff you yeah, own to show exactly. that you're earning well whereas I think the Dutch are ambitious but in a different way in a different they're ambitious way. in the rest of their lives the number of people who go on like weekend cookery courses yeah. or they go on some walking holidays and they're constantly sort of trying to aspire and achieve things but not just at work I'm constantly reading stuff or seeing courses about you know how to improve your kind of general level of happiness yeah. and the balance in your life and making sure that you balance inspunning and onspunning yes. so that you know so people really sort of plan and organise their leisure time and dedicate time to just relaxing I think yeah, that's ambitious hobbies. as well and, yeah, and make sure they spend time with their children yeah. I find especially now I've become a single parent let's do all those jobs I find you know, the idea of ambition just yeah. being at work is a ludicrous thing yeah. you, know, you should be ambitious as well to make sure that your children are well looked after that's yeah. ambitious or yeah. but well, also even if like, it doesn't pay you know, you if, you, if you are in some sort of um, I don't know some sort of semi-competitive sport thing right that like you know people do want to win but I don't see people here being like devastated when they don't you know like my my sister-in-law plays in like a football league right and like yeah of course like she wants to win but it's not like mm. you know we were there when she like lost some finals match her team lost some finals match and like yeah they weren't like super happy but they also weren't like this is the end of the world and like whatever whereas I feel like a lot of times in other places like you know you just there's this push to just like be the best be the best be the best yeah. and their response was like yeah no like we had a good time and we like learned we got better than we did last year that like yeah it might have to do with the equality aspect mm. because mm. if you are just a co-worker somewhere in a company uh, you don't get treated differently than no. the manager yeah. or the you're CEO. You're still valued. Yeah. 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 So it, th- that's, that might also be not a push to, to, yeah. to get the best job or the highest position in yeah. the company. So what were the conclusions of the report, Paul? The uh, SAP writes in its conclusion that the Dutch uh, national identity is a heterogeneous concept. Yeah. It includes uh, symbols and traditions, but also democratic rights and also landscape characteristics. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's remarkable how little differences there are in answers between different groups in terms of education, income, gender and age so they all basically everybody this, basically say the same, thing. Mm-hmm. the same thing ask what unifies the Dutch language immerses as the most important element and I think we just talked about the inburgering exam uh, language is the most uh, important uh, unifying aspect according to the Dutch so if you have new people yeah. coming into the country uh, make them learn the language because that's the thing that's most valued in this country it seems very logical I mm. think other elements they name are freedom King's Day Remembrance Day Liberation Day and Sinterklaas democracy freedom of speech and equality between men and women also appeared in that ranking in terms of methodology the researchers compiled a list of 183 Dutch things and they asked the 5,000 people to reflect on how Dutch they think these elements are and re- gave them a ranking basically and based on these responses the research team brought this down with top 10 of the most Dutch things and also a top 10 of the least Dutch things. So according to the Dutch Paul, what yeah. are the most ten top 10 Dutch things? Shall we go from 10 to 1? Yeah, let's do 10, 10 to 1. 10 to 1 okay. yeah. uh, ten, number 10 is dikes. Fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. The things that protect uh, the country from water. Yeah. Yes. Uh, number 9, Anne Frank's diary. There she is again. Yes. Uh, even though Anne Frank wasn't Dutch though. She That's wasn't true. Uh, no, yeah. she was German. German. Yeah. She was German. Yeah. But, but she wrote her diary in Dutch in the Netherlands. So. That's true. She, she That's was kind true. of, I would say she was Dutch. Actually, I know she was born in Germany, but she, yeah, yeah. you could her she, Dutch. Lived, she lived here as a child. Well, my children are Dutch and they moved here yeah. this, around about the same age hmm. as Anne Frank. Yeah. So yeah. I would yeah, definitely I think equal. That's a fair point. Yeah. Number 8, windmills. 
Fair enough. Uh, number seven, Delta Works flood defenses. Yeah, so again, water management that. and again uh, civil engineering. Yeah. Number six is the Dutch flag. That's a weird one, I think. It's the oldest mm-hmm. flag in the world. Did That's you know true. that? That's true. I did know yes. that. Yeah, but it's like it looks just like half the other flags in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Uh, it's uh, constantly you know mixed why up that by is. Luxembourg. You know why that is? Because other people copied the Dutch flag. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, fucking Russia. <laughs> um, and Luxembourg. Even and Luxembourg. Yeah. Luxembourg. Yeah, yeah. Number five, the Elfstedentocht. Yeah, yeah, very Dutch. Which is almost becoming a national myth now because yeah. we're never going to see it again. We're never going to see it again. Yeah. We're going to swim yeah. it instead of skate it. Yeah. It will be our big food. Number four, cycling. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty Dutch. Uh, I love when when you walk out of uh, Amsterdam Central Station, you see a lot of tourists as well. And I'm not sure if it's still there, but you have this enormous boat which functioned as a, a bike, bike park, uh, bike yeah. park yeah. and uh, people were just looking at it in awe and photographing it. I'm not yeah. sure if it's still there. Though, no, I don't think so. But still, I do see you do see people taking pictures of like bikes. bikes. Yeah, mm. in general. Number three, Sinterklaas. Mm-hmm. Saint Nicholas Day is uh, celebrated uh, all across Europe. Yeah, but of course. Apparently, I, it's, uh, it's it's very, very Dutch. Dutch. Yeah, but the particular uh, we, we made Sinterklaas it a celebrated yeah. is yeah. We are with, yeah. with the boat and the that's true. The racism is, is a particularly Dutch thing. Yes. Number yeah. two, <laughs> boats and racism. <laughs> <laughs> number two, King's Day, and number one, the, the Dutch. Dutch language. Yeah. And I think uh, when I looked at this, which is somewhat list, ironic considering they also speak it in Belgium. Yes, indeed. Yes, and Suriname. And South Africa. And South, yeah, they, uh, yeah, a version. A version, the the drunken baby version. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. If I look at this list, uh, I see a lot of civil engineering stuff. Yeah. I also see a lot of things that are very Dutch but I, for example King's Day and Elfstedentocht and the Dutch flag but when I look at this list and I think are these the things that uh, define the Dutch identity then yeah. we don't have a very noteworthy very identity interesting, I think. very interesting and other things uh, um, I think including Anna Frank's diary is really strange I mean obviously it's a very significant book and a very worthy thing but is it really part of your national identity I don't get how that works I, d- I don't think so as well <laughs> no I don't think so either yeah. but yeah, yeah. and uh, as we said before it's not, a, not exactly on this list but things like democracy and freedom and stuff like that you have that in other parts of the yes, world as yeah. well so it's not that that's unique for the Netherlands yeah I guess. it's interesting of, of all those the things in that bracket that, that maybe the Dutch could claim to have invented which is capitalism is not in there <laughs> no. democracy was yeah. uh, started yeah. in other parts of the world yeah so, exactly you know. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but what surprised me was that uh, some of the cliches weren't on this list like greedy uh, moderate down to earth Tolerant. Orange. The color orange. The yeah, color d- orange. The ubiquity of the color orange. Yeah. yeah. Especially when the football's on. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. 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 And I thought. Uh, yeah, the Poder model, that's not what I had on my list, but that's also a good one. And uh, the lack of uh, food. Yeah, well. there's yes. no food. Yeah. 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 Absolutely no food. No olive oil and no cheese. How can you not <laughs> have cheese? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's that's Dutch a real teams. issue. Yeah. 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 So, so, Molly, you uh, you made a very long list of the things you um, feel are very Dutch. I so did. We're not going to go through them all. Why not? Because it's a very long list, <laughs> as I say. Yeah, okay. I've been sort of enjoying asking Dutch people, random Dutch <laughs> people in my life, what they think the top 10 most and least things are. And in my unscientific but extremely <laughs> rigorous and valuable survey, I could not find a single Dutch person who guessed more than four of the top 10 mm-hmm. and more than one of the least Dutch things. So, yeah. like, at least in my experience, the Dutch people I know did not come up with these 10 items as an indication of, like, reflective Dutch identity. The biggest thing I thought was missing off of the list was food items. Uh, so, I think Paul put Olibol on his list. I had strope waffles. Yeah. You said, said cheese. So, yeah. I think that, you know, this food stuff is there. I put Stumpot. Stumpot is yeah. also on my list. So, I think that those are things. Capsalon, that's also one that's, like, not on there, which I think <laughs> is, like, very Dutch. Yes. <laughs> Drinking Carnamilk. Carnamilk 
exists in other places, but people don't like drink it. So that's like that's also like a food one. Yenever, I had Yenever on my list. That yeah. was like not that's not on there. Avocacha, which is yeah. bitterballen. Bitterballen, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, these sorts one. of things yeah, are yeah. like not on this list at all. I, mean, I was just sort of surprised that at least one or two wasn't there. Yeah, and then there was a lot of like cultural references. I had Andre Hazes, like also maybe yeah, Lee so Towers, had on my like list yeah, as well. definitely Andre Hazes. Yeah, and uh... Uh, Dire Straits, clearly very Dutch, yeah. extremely Dutch. <laughs> you included the Dire Straits. <laughs> No, I did not actually oh. think Dire Straits. But other stuff was like things like I wrote, and I quote, being fucking opinionated, uh, <laughs> camping in France, agendas, social yeah, housing for everyone, right? Like there's a huge yeah. amount of people. Writing who, everything down in your agenda. Writing everything worry. down yeah. in your agenda. Putting everything in the dishwasher. Gordon and I were yeah. talking about this the other day. Like Dutch people just put everything in the yes. dishwasher. And you're like, stuff that clearly is marked, do not put do in not the dishwasher. Do not put in the dishwasher. Yeah, dishwasher. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, blue tax letters, like that was yeah. also like, I think is very, very Dutch. Attempting to absorb all of the sun the second the sun appears out <laughs> anywhere, I feel like is very Dutch. Yeah, but but having yourself really well wrapped up until it gets to about 22 degrees. Exactly. Just gradually uh, discarding clothing. There's a line somewhere around about the 21 degree mark. Yeah. Where suddenly everyone takes off their winter jacket and goes about in And then drags their couch outside and sits yeah. in the sun. And, and on, on that note as well, Rokjesdag is a very Dutch yeah, thing Yeah, Rokjesdag, well. like yeah. the first day of the, like celebrating. The day when women spontaneously wear skirts. start wearing skirts. It's not spontaneous. You know, we get together, we have a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a dad and there's yeah. a datum pricker, yeah. Datum prickers. Yeah, yeah. You're sort of like planning things, like yeah. being sort of very organized in your planning. Yeah. The downside of Rockisdach is Kokisdach, which is men going out in terrible footwear, yeah. usually with white socks. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not uniquely Dutch. That's other that's cultures true. that do that yeah. too. So I won't blame that on them. <laughs> cramming all of your national holidays into a six-week period that's very dutch because other countries like spread them out so you can have like a random monday off in january but no no the dutch like just april and may those are the only months that get uh yeah nobody's working nobody's working yeah, yeah and then you come back for a few weeks and everyone goes on four weeks of holiday yeah. and Actually, where do they go they go camping in france which i also put on my like very dutch list yeah. or they go to their villa in spain yeah or yeah. their villa in spain. those two things or like yeah on ibiza or something <laughs> yeah. if they're if they're wealthier um, packing 14 single sliced cheese sandwiches in a plastic zakia. That's like extremely Dutch. Paul, did you bring lunch with you today? No, but I, if I would have brought it, it would have been <laughs> exactly this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it takes special talents to fit as many yes. both of them uh, yeah. as possible in, in, in there. One's in the, tiny yeah. And then the, the little knots you make yeah. to close it is, mm. I can make it really tiny. Yeah, so yeah. this is a real, yeah. Uh, yeah. So vacuum packing your sandwiches yeah, yeah. is a really exactly. Dutch thing. Buck feet as well. Not just cycling, but cycling with cargo. Yes. Yeah, cycling like not just like okay, uh, they cycle in <laughs> Copenhagen and stuff, but like yeah. fine. But they don't cycle like as their main method of transportation. <laughs> exactly. Whether or not you are transporting like four children and a dog, or like yeah. furniture home from IKEA, or like all of this kinds of stuff. Yeah. Boring political scandals because <laughs> yes. like not it's very low cor- levels of corruption here, yeah. so all their political mm. scandals are extremely yeah. boring. So so the threshold is quite low for, yeah. for what counts as scandal. So if you if you just if you just take five five years to find a receipt uh, for a payment you made to criminal then yeah. that, that, that can bring down three ministers exactly yeah. um, blue suits and with brown shoes that I feel like is quintessentially Dutch yes. yeah. there was a big uh, discussion about that I think uh, with a few people on, on Twitter, Twitter arguing uh, the Dutch were arguing that brown shoes with suits is fine and uh, everyone else was it's saying no, like, no you just don't it's really not don't do it yeah. Um, yeah, built weather station and like having <laughs> all of your temperature readings for things being declared by this like one particular point in the <laughs> Netherlands rather than like some 
some sort of yeah. average or something. But also have this very, very precise definition of what count counts as a heat. Or yeah. Measuring things very precisely. Measuring things very, very precisely. I have this definition of a heat wave. You've got to have over 25 degrees for five days in a row, of which three have to be 30 degrees. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not a heat wave. At DeBilt Station. Uh, and when DeBilt, so yeah, it has to be at DeBilt. And when last year, they had this, we had this long period of hot weather, but there was one afternoon, there was a shower in DeBilt, only in DeBilt, and that brought the temperature <laughs> down under 25. <laughs> and that's why we had two heat waves and not one long one. Yes. <laughs> like these kinds of things, like so Dutch, and they're like not on the list. But I think that, like, you know, we were talking about this earlier. Like, there's no, if you don't, if you're just a Dutch person and you don't spend a lot of time, you don't live outside of the country for a significant period of time, or you don't spend a lot of time and around the And that doesn't include camping for four weeks. Yeah, it doesn't include France. camping for four weeks. In France. No, because you take all your food with you and you camp <laughs> yes. with a bunch of other Dutch people. Like, you don't realize that, like, other places in the world don't function differently. Function differently. differently. Yeah. Did you have anything on your list that was not on a. I don't think so. No, I think I added a few things to your yeah, list. Yeah, you, you added kind a few of cannibalized my list. I did. Buck yeah. feeds you out. Including cheese. Cheese. I, cheese I well. forgot. I completely forgot about cheese. Yeah, this cheese is so ubiquitous. You just forget. And just the whole dairy industry, actually. Having yeah. having a glass of milk at lunchtime. Oh, things yeah. Are when you're not a child is a quintessentially yeah. Dutch thing. Yeah. yeah it's so true. Yeah. The cheese box that you have to have in your fridge as a Dutch person yeah, is also yeah. super. And just the fact that cheese comes in these big wheels, which but is there's just the fact that there's just this like whole culture around cheese, yes. and people have these like strong preferences for like <laughs> types of cheese. There's like a bajillion places to go get cheese. There's like yeah. cheese, but also cheese the, paper. Like there's a whole cheese craft yeah, like culture. And the way that you have yeah. to buy cheese by age rather than by sub provenance. A foreigner will sort of go down to the supermarket and say, "Yeah, I'll just get some chowder." But there's yeah. like a hundred different types of it. Right. And they just don't get their heads around this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you've got and, and, yeah. and all the rest of it. So um, I think we reached a point that we can discuss the least Dutch things. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a weird list, but it has to do with the methodology, I think, because mm -hmm. because of these 185 yeah. things that, that that were presented to these 5,000 people and these just ended up at the bottom of the li yeah. list. The things nobody listed. Yeah. No, number 10 is elegance. <laughs> <laughs> is it... I what mean, do you think? Is this, is this accurate? Uh, is elegance a thing that you don't associate with? No, with you don't people? associate with that. With <laughs> the way to, we are ready to direct to be elegant. Yeah. I yeah. That's but actually, you know, they're, they're, they're pragmatic. The other thing you really notice, I think, is the fact that people are much more casually dressed at work. Yeah. Which is a, I think is a good thing. Yeah, actually. I don't necessarily you know, think people, it's a bad people, thing. People are I mean, overly showy And it's dressing. sort of a pragmatic yeah. response to the the biking culture, right? Yeah. Which is, is that, like, as a woman, you can't spend a ton of time on your hair. You can't do all this, mm. like, fancy makeup because, one, you have to exist in a climate where there's like a lot of rain and humidity and also like you have to cycle in it so like you have to be much more I think practical about the ways that you dress mm -hmm. number nine Ayan Hirsi Ali this is just that's just fucked it's up it's weird isn't it yeah. well, why was she even this was awesome when she hasn't, she hasn't yeah. been in the, the country for what, 10 years 15 at years at least 10 years yeah. I think yeah yeah she's like not relevant at all yeah. I also find it weird because she's like so outspoken against Islam and as we're going to see there's a lot of stuff on the list that's like very anti-Islamic mm -hmm. and so it's like why is she not Dutch? Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Number eight is laziness. Number seven, corruption. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, we uh, yeah, those discussed would, that already. Yeah. But that we have all these boring political scandals yeah, because, because we don't have any yeah. corruption. Yeah. yeah. Uh, six is Islam. Five, censorship. Four, headscarves. Yeah. Three, There's a theme, um, isn't there? Eid al-Fit. 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 Eid al
Buddhism. Well, that's <laughs> the weirdest thing, right? So, like, okay, all yeah. of the Islam things I get because people are racist and terrible, but, like, <laughs> fucking Dutch people are, like, so weirdly obsessed with, like, a lot of Buddhist iconography well, and stuff. Thing. Like, how many... Every garden center you go into, there's, like, 40 statues of, like, a Buddhist yeah. guy, like, sitting in the lotus position. Exactly. Like, I, don't think any, I don't think a Dutch garden is complete without at least one Buddhist statue. No, I've and been yet. trying to get us to buy a Buddhist statue because otherwise the <laughs> authorities are going to come by and fine us for not having our proper Buddhist statue. You'd never and, buy it for yourself. No, of course, someone has to, to give it. Yes, but it's kind of yeah, it's kind of weird that all the Islamic things are at the bottom. It kind of shows that your national identity is also about what you define yourself against. And unfortunately, a lot of the discussion in the media is about people making this distinction between. Us Islam, and them, us and, yeah. them and yeah. saying Islam, Islam is not Dutch. Yeah, and that's yeah but at the same back. time, yeah. these anti-Islam uh, parties, PVV and Forum for Democracy, if the, all these items would end so low on this list, then you would think that more than 20%, 15 to 20% would vote for these parties. But still, they, yeah. they mm. there's always a 15, 20% uh, of the... Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a limit. And yeah. to be honest, if it, you ask, it, are headscarves typically Dutch? then you're not going to say, yes, they are typically Dutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? that's that I don't think is incorrect, like when you phrase it sort of that way. But I do think that if you would just ask people, if you just gave people a blank piece of paper and you said, write down the most, the top 10 Dutch things and least Dutch things. Like, I think people may have put something Islam related on the least list and also something Delta Works related on the top list. But like, mm. it, they wouldn't have come up with so many components yeah. of the same thing. Like, yeah. I think that the way that they did this sort of overemphasized... Yeah components of Islam and also the waterworks yeah Yeah. in a way that wouldn't have happened if you just asked people so I asked my partner what he thought the top 10 things were so he said his list was kas milk molens so cheese milk uh, windmills biking uh, King's Day, Sinterklaas, Stroopwafels, Patatje Oorlog, uh-huh. uh, Tulpen, yeah, yeah, Tulips. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's Tulips, really. Yeah, so yeah. he didn't mention that. He said the least, <laughs> this is a very entertaining list, I think. <laughs> uh, the least things were Santa Claus, hamburgers, the Chinese wall, pizza, opera. So, I mean... Yeah. He came up with this like, much stir, crazier yeah. list because it wasn't <laughs> confined by these 180 things, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, yeah, I mean, the German flag isn't Dutch. Why isn't that on the list? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Trump isn't Dutch. Why isn't he on the list? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would definitely put um, potholes, holes in the road. Yeah. It's a very un-Dutch thing. That's, that's true, yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. good literature. Yeah, good literature <laughs> is very not Dutch. That's true. So, I, yeah. my not Good radio du- stations. Yeah, good. <laughs> My list was, it was a bit shorter for the not Dutch thing. Uh, ambitiousness I had on my list. Mm. Discussing how much you paid for things is very not Dutch. Like, Dutch people are always very uncomfortable, I feel like, talking about, oh, really? like... Yeah, do you guys well, not yeah, have this experience? You're constantly being sent tickies for things. Like, yeah, yeah, but but if you... you constantly, like, splitting the bill for stuff yeah. is very Dutch. Like, yeah. tickies. The fact that tickies isn't on this list is, like, clearly yeah. Dutch people are not, like, thinking straight when they say exactly, this. Yeah. But if you, like, I feel like Dutch people are very uncomfortable, like, asking, like, how much we paid for the house how much we paid to install the kitchen how much you paid for like yeah, yeah. your bag like stuff like this like yeah. whereas americans i feel like are much more and oh, other see, 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 british people would never uh, yeah discuss that either they wouldn't say exactly how much they paid for uh, an item of clothing yeah or yeah or a piece i of mean furniture. you wouldn't like no. advertise it but if somebody asked so, you know if it's but like we oh, just wouldn't ask yeah <laughs> being polite in itself yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> being tolerant of anyone who is neat normal i said yeah. it's not very dutch yeah, tolerance of intolerance yeah, yeah. yeah. Proper tea, not yeah. Dutch. 
Uh, having variety, like there's no, there's such little, I feel like, like if you go into the supermarket, there's like two kinds of orange juice and that's it, right? That like. Two kinds of orange juice? Yeah. You can how many times of orange juice do you want? Have you been to yeah. an American supermarket? There's like 50 kinds of orange juice. How, but, how but, can um, they no, have hang on, variations I, I, on there? I read somewhere that the Dutch supermarkets have the most diverse range of products of any country. So we, 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 we've uh, assimilated so many cultures here. I don't know if I, I mean, you've guys the clearly not sections. been to an American food, some American supermarket. No, you, 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 lot, you, you get lots of food, but it's all junk. Yeah, but even yeah, but that's a different that's a different discussion. Um, even like big supermarkets, like supermarkets in France and Germany, I feel like have a lot more diversity in in the, their like types of products, but also like types of bars. Maybe they have right? a lot of like, variety in French products and not in yeah. Indian products, Indonesian products, whatever. Yeah, but and that's that's, that's what I mean. That. Not necessarily that like you have like a world representation of food, but if you go in, there's like two kinds of orange juice and like again, one. How many kinds do you need? Fifty. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to buy the same yeah, type 40. every time. Maybe but like or, like the, the different kinds of like pasta sauce, right? That like there's just fewer. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Options. But I also feel like this exists in like types of restaurants and like types of bars that like you know really? it, Amsterdam has like two cocktail like actual cocktail right. bars and a city that size and I feel like in almost any other place would have had much more like diversity in the like types of bar you have and everything is just like a take on a brown cafe like oh, I feel like there's just like not a ton oh. of diversity I, don't know, I, I go around the Hague and I'm amazed that you have all kinds of cuisines I've never seen in British yeah, city different you kinds have, of cuisine yeah. sure yeah. but like they don't have there's how many lunch cafes are in the Hague like everything is a fucking lunch city, cafe yeah. and yeah. it's all the same um, so speaking of not having variety eating local food while on holiday is not very Dutch <laughs> because you gotta pack your yep. pindicas and your potatoes to go with potatoes you. and your meat yeah. um, non-white people who have lived here for over three generations are non-Dutch that's mm. uh, the Dutch consider them to be not Dutch cleaning up after your dog is not Dutch uh, yeah so yeah like picking up your dog's poop I don't know I see people oh, do that in my I street I see that all the yeah. time yeah the Dutch are, like, notorious for not cleaning up after their dogs. They were, but I think that's... Uh, I think, yeah, they're getting can... better and better with Yeah, the, maybe uh, they're getting better. There are more dog not... bins. I think yeah. that's just made a difference. Yeah. People use them. What, do you, what did you guys have on your not Dutch list? I didn't make a list. <laughs> I, I Paul, I... you had one thing. You were supposed to make a list. <laughs> I, I didn't know I was supposed to. Um, proof, further proof, if, if anyone has been watching the Democratic debates in the U.S., yeah, that the women me. showed up having, like, prepared <laughs> for stuff, and they had, like, their notes, and they'd read the documentation, and the dude just Hang on, am I an honorary says, woman now? I don't know, because I... I, I yeah, you had, like, a yeah. tiny list yeah. written, written on a scrap we of cardboard. We had a top ten. The idea was to make a top ten list, Molly. Not did you a to- make a top ten? Not a top five hundred. Did you make that's a top That's a Dutch, a Dutch <laughs> thing is to make top five hundred. Top yeah. <laughs> did you make a top ten non-Dutch list, Gordon? I didn't make a top so ten So you're only half prepared. Yeah. <laughs> but as you said, a top ten non-Dutch things list is much harder. It's than, much harder. Yeah, yeah. Because there are so much things that are not Dutch. Yeah, good, good restaurant service. That's a non-Dutch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah good yeah, service. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Or the top one thing is bad restaurant service. <laughs> yeah. so you, you can, you, it can go either way. It can go either yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's also one that should be included on the list, yeah. I'm just very uh, sad that Odebold wasn't on the uh, Yeah, that's a real disgrace. I, know, yeah, sure. yeah, I, I was disgusted that uh, Storbwafels weren't there. Mm. Although, thankfully, no one suggested lavender Storbwafels. <laughs> lavender exactly. Storbwafels could go on the non-Dutch list, <laughs> yeah. I feel like. Yes, very un-Dutch yeah. things. Yeah, I'm curious to uh, if people want to email us. Yeah, uh, yeah with, or, or, or just... Send um, a message on Twitter. On Twitter, yeah, send us a Twitter. With what you it. think are your 10, yeah. these 10 Dutch things. I'm curious to see if we missed anything, or yeah. if you guys yeah, yeah. have thoughts on this. Me too. Well, that's all we have for you 
you uh, this week. Uh, this podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. And you can earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast if you yep. do make a and donation. And you can ask us a question. And you can ask us a question. My thanks to Gordon, Derek and Malikwell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. Thank you.